0: Welcome back to the Gather Moms podcast and we are on episode 64 and we are in our new season called Mom Interrupted and today we are talking about, Rebecca, this is so fun because... You have no idea what we're about to talk about. <gasps> this is my favorite. <laughs> I feel like when I was in elementary school, I just wanted to show up and like not even know there was a test. Just like tell me, like when I walked in the classroom, you're taking a test today. <laughs> I feel like this is the same. I'm showing up and I'm like, what are we talking about? <laughs> okay, well, it will not be a test. Um, but I'm glad. I'm glad that that feels that makes me sweaty when I don't know Does what I'm walking me a seven? into. Is that yes, yes. reinforce my reinforcing it my enneagram seven. Um, so so far we've been talking about ways we've been up interrupted as moms, and you know kind. I'm talking about kids or our circumstances or things like that and how they interrupt our lives. Well, today I want to share how God has recently interrupted my life. And so I'm going to share a little bit more about how he sent this interruption. Um, but this year he interrupted my dieting plan. So like so many of you, January historically kicks off for me some kind of a cleanse or new strict diet regimen to drop the holiday weight. Um, Rebecca, do you do anything? In I mean, I know the answer to this, but I want you to speak to the people about your freedom in this area. I think I'm just lazy. I don't want to do anything because it would take work, so I don't <laughs> exercise. And I I love Dr. Pepper. And Do you feel like you put on pounds during the holidays? I honestly feel like... My body has stayed the same for years. Yeah. Like years and years and years. I just feel like, I don't know. It's just, I don't know if it's my hormones or if it's just, you know, the way God made my body, but I feel like I kind of stay the same roundabout, same numbers and everything. My clothes fit. And honestly, I don't get on the scale. Yeah. So as long as my pants fit when I put them on, I'm a happy camper. And so I'm going to go have a cheeseburger because my pants fit that day. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I love it, and I I'm so thankful to have you as a friend because you have so much freedom in this area. It helps me be more free. You want me to take you for a cheeseburger? Later? <laughs> oh you want to go? Because I can just kind of be like, okay, well, you know, she's not freaking out, and you know, and and just kind of to see somebody who's not obsessed with the latest dieting fad or having to restrict something or other. You know, you just seem to have a very healthy relationship with food. Here's the thing I've noticed though, because I have a daughter now, like. I filter information differently when I think through how she is perceiving her body and the world around her. And honestly, it's made me more sensitive to my, how I act around her, the things that I say or that we joke about. Okay. Because I do think that from a young age, little girls are already getting these messages and that we, as their mamas are sometimes, um, not meaning to, but adding to the messages. Oh, man, I think so, you know, and we only have so much time in this episode today, and so we may need to do a follow-up about especially talking to our kids about this, Um, you know, because that's where it started for me. It started for me as a young girl, getting messages about my weight and dieting and how You know, I would be more accepted if I was smaller or thinner, and so these were the things I needed to eat to be that way. And, you know, I think you're right that we really have to be careful about how we approach food and the things that we're talking about. But, you know, today may just be a good jumping off point because we need to be in a healthy place with how we see food in our bodies so that we can, you know, teach that to our children but it's so interesting, at, you know, as we think about food and diets, like a few years ago, kale had its day in the sun. You remember everybody was eating kale. Rebecca, I, you probably didn't. I tried to cook it one time, like kale chips. Yeah, me too. Greg came in the door from work and smelled it before <laughs> he, he got. so bad. And he boycotted kale that day. And he was like, never again will you cook kale in our house. And so I have it. Oh my gosh, you know what? It, I was prepping for this episode, and I actually bought kale because I put it in this. I, I make no listen. I make this one Italian soup. And Is it the Olive Garden one? Because I'll eat kale in the Olive Garden soup. Okay, well, it's kind of like that. It's like Zuba, an Italian Toscana. Sa- yes, yes, it's yes. really like that. Potatoes. Yes. I don't think it has potatoes. Oh, okay, in it. okay, but it's like Italian sausage and stuff, and it's really good. But there's kale in it, but you wilt it down. You're not ever. You're not eating like straight kale. It feels like spinach, right? Yeah. So anyway, it made me laugh because I was like, man, you know, we used to be out here feeling like we had to eat kale all the time. And then kale was done. And then it's like, okay, now cauliflower. You have to eat cauliflower everything. Have I you don't eaten, eat cauliflower. Have you eaten cauliflower anything? No. I see all those like cauliflower rice things. Yeah. Cauliflower crust pizza. Uh huh. No. <laughs> if I'm gonna spend the calories, I'm gonna get the real thing. Well, and I feel like I feel like cauliflower's on the way out because, you know, enough people have tried it that they're like, this is trash. We don't want cauliflower pizza. To make cauliflower pizza good, you, yes, it's cauliflower, but then you got to add in 25 other things, you so know? So what's next? Are you calling it? What's the next food? No, I don't know. Oh, I don't know. Come on, pick something today. You pick it. I don't know. Okay, I'm picking this based off of Abby because she says there's a girl in her class that brings this for snack. Uh-huh. It's seaweed. <gasps> you know, people do eat seaweed. Okay. Let's They're like say seaweed let's, chips or yeah. something. Yeah. Okay. We're calling it Gather Mom's Podcast. Okay. Seaweed, seaweed is something in. Else 2022 <laughs> is bringing in the seaweed. Yeah. Um, so, you know, America, as Americans, we have embraced all kinds of wild diets over time. We, one of the things about us being such a new nation is that we have a horrible food culture. You know, all these other uh, cultures that have been around for hundreds of thousands of years have a deep food culture. We do not. And I feel like we're still out here a couple hundred years later trying to be like, what what are we about? What what is our food? What I think are we? We're eat? stealing from other nations, aren't well, we? Well that's all we've done. Yes. You know? And so now we've become like the fast food nation. Gross. That I don't want that to be what we're about, guys. You know, like let's let's roll this dice again and pick again. Um but I I think when we talk about dieting, I think sometimes it's good to kind of expose like a little bit of the ridiculousness of it. Yeah, let's do it. And so I wanted us to look back. I found this article called 25 fad diets from the past 200 years. <laughs> 200 years? Yeah. What did they do 200 years okay. ago? Okay, so, okay, tell me. But we're not going to read all 25. Oh, bummer. Okay, I picked a few highlights. <laughs> okay. That would take <laughs> would a be while. like a 2-hour podcast. Okay. So, this first one is the tapeworm diet. And this goes way back. Like a real tapeworm? Okay. Um, perhaps the most notorious fad diet is also the oldest. With no known date of origin, people in search of weight loss, and especially women, have made jokes about swallowing tapeworm eggs for over 200 years. While this parasite, which takes up... <laughs> She's shaking her head, I can't concentrate. Takes up, up residence and the host intestines may indeed lead to rapid late, r- weight loss. It can also cause organ failure and even death. Luckily, the actual use of the tapeworm diet today seems to be mostly anecdotal. Where did you get it? Like, they didn't have Walmart. Did you just go? Where do you get a tapeworm? Lake and like dig pull around. It out? I don't know. Dig around in the mud to to look for a tapeworm. Listen, ladies, if you got to go to the lake to dig for something, don't do it. And then, can you imagine swallowing it? You know, that's but nasty. you know what? Well, happened. if you can swallow kale, maybe you can swallow a tapeworm. <laughs> oh I don't God. know. Okay, I don't know. <laughs> well, listen, you know, somebody probably like accidentally swallowed a tapeworm, like. Uh, Several hundred, a couple lost hundred years ago, pounds. lost fifty pounds. As some other woman was like, "Yeah, I'm about to do that." <laughs> oh know, gosh, it's that's like crazy. It's like the ridiculousness of like your friend gets a stomach bug and drops a quick five pounds, and you're like, "Come, come lick me. <laughs> Who's got the flu? Let yeah. me get it." Yeah. Okay, this next one is called the Graham Diet it's from the 1830s. It was created by fundamentalist minister Sylvester Graham. All right, and this diet consisted of mainly overcooked vegetables with no spices or dressings. Flour based baked goods were forbidden, as were salt, pepper, and butter. Uh uh-uh. uh. According to this homie, the more enjoyable the food was, the more likely it was to overexcite the digestive organs. He took all the joy out of food. I know. Listen, a zucchini needs some salt. I mean, I ain't eating it just like salt, cooked pepper, in the and skillet. butter? How do you eat food without salt, pepper, and butter? No. No. Isn't that terrible? That's terrible. Graham, you out. Okay. The next thing is called Fletcherizing. This happened in 19- 19... Does this have to do with corny dogs? <laughs> Fletcher's corny dog. I'll eat corny dogs all day. That I can do that. Hey, you know what they actually say? That the corn dog is the most um, healthy food at the fair. <laughs> is it really? Yes. <gasps> that gives me more ammunition next year. I'm just going to eat corn dogs <laughs> all the time. Although a funnel cake is really good. At... Well, that's fine. Do okay. you? But okay. I'm just telling you. Uh, but also, what does it say that the corn dog is the most... <laughs> The healthiest food at the fair. Okay, so the Fletcherizing came from Horace Fletcher, a nutritionist, which is in quotes, with no formal education. He rocked America with this diet idea to chew every bite of food 100 times to lessen hunger and save money on groceries every month. It is a known fact that people who eat slowly gain less weight, and studies have shown that chewing up to 35 times per mouthful can lower food consumption by 12%. Even so, all of that excessive excessive chewing was just that excessive listen I say that to my kids don't you say it to your kids I mean mama Judy she definitely says it to the grandkids chew your food chew your food we say chew your food okay I am not my goodness first of all that makes my jaw tired just thinking about chewing 100 what is left by the time you get to 100 that's why you don't eat anymore because you're so tired you're worn out you're You're like like, I'm "I'm out I'm (laughs) out see there's there it is No, I actually just said that to Abby the other day. I was like, you are not chewing your food enough. Stop. Chew that more. Yeah. No, we have to do that. I mean, because we're teaching them to eat. And then I have to teach my kids, put your fork down in between bites. Because they just like, I've never heard of that. (gasps) Really? put your fork down in between bites? Well, just so you're not shoveling food into your mouth. Because, you know, the boy, like Caleb especially, he'll sit down and he'll start eating. And it's just like, just. Is it like a three second rule? Like you sit it down. One, two, (laughs) three, pick it up. No, why I'm not that stranger, but I just tell him, every once in a while, put your Listen, fork down. Listen, this could be the new fad diet. Okay. The three-second fork rule. Come <laughs> on, we can make some money. But I think I think just teaching about that we're eating this food. This is something to enjoy. Don't just shovel it down. You know, take some time. Makes me feel better because my boys shovel too, so apparently yeah, it's just a boy thing. They shovel. Okay, um, the cigarette diet of 1920s. I mean, I don't think that needs a lot of explaining, but Lucky Strike had an ad that said, reach for a lucky instead of a sweet. Oh, okay. (laughs) So that's fine. Lung cancer. Oh, yes. That's (laughs) definitely a better option. Okay, than an extra five pounds. Oh, right. The Hollywood diet was from the 1930s, and... Um, it was from the mistaken belief that grapefruit had excellent fat-burning properties. So, haven't you seen all over the years people eat grapefruit? Listen, I think maybe my mom did that. I think she did the grapefruit diet. Yeah, because yes. they think like you eat half a grapefruit or something like that for yes, breakfast. Yes, supposed to. Except I put sugar on my grapefruit. I mean, right? So that probably discounts. How can the- you eat plain grapefruit? <laughs> <laughs> no, isn't that crazy? Um, supposedly Mar- Marilyn Monroe swore by it, so. Okay, the next one is the cabbage soup diet. Okay, I think I've heard, of, heard this of that You've heard of that too. And supposedly you could eat you could eat as much cabbage soup as you wanted in a Have day. Have you smelled cabbage it, lately? I'm saying. I mean, I think it's up there with kale. Right, I feel like and cauliflower. Yes, yeah, yes. But that was the only thing you could have. Um, People did lose weight on this regimen, but excessive flatulence was a significant problem. That's called tooting. (laughs) Mm -hmm. You know, they were tooting up a storm with all that cabbage. The magical fruit. The more you eat, the more you toot. So, anyway, that's crazy. Can you imagine how angry you would be if the only thing you could have was um, cabbage soup? That's Pitiful. So there's a whole bunch more. You've got, you know, we were kids during low-fat mania of the 1990s, where it was like they made everything low-fat, but then it had all this sugar in it, right? Yes. And then you remember um, the Subway diet with Jared. <gasps> Jared, I think he it made, worked for him. I know. I think he ended up making some bad choices in his life, but um, at the time, everybody <laughs> Don't Google him. Don't was Google him. Following Jared, you yes, know, yes. and eating these Subway sandwiches, and yes. You know, that was that huge, it was a huge fad. Yes. So, you know, when we read all those together, I think you look at all these diets and you go, okay, first of all, these things phase out over time. Somebody comes up with something that's like, okay, here it is. This is how you're going to be able to get thin. You know, you just do this wild thing, right? And, you know, we look back over time and we're like, well, that's dumb, you know, especially like cigarettes. like, who what? Mm -mm, You know, mm -mm. or having to chew your food a hundred times, or there were things like, I mean, I read about like baby food diet and people drinking formula and like, what? You know, just this nonsense that we cling on to. That's a good word for it. Nonsense. To give us like some kind of hope that we're going to be able to fix these bodies and, you know, overcome this fat that we've struggled with and try and meet this ideal that the world has told us, you know, you need to be this certain way, right? Yes. And when we step back, And look at it from a historical perspective, we go, ah, that's just nonsense. Yes. Right? Yes. I always say, if it's too good to be true, it's too good to be true. Right. It's some quick fix. Yeah. It's not going to work for the long term. You got to work for stuff. Not that you have to work to get your body right, but it's just the idea that, you know what? I'm not just going to wake up in the morning and like, be the perfect whatever. Like, that's just not the way God created us. No. And what is the perfect whatever? You know, I think we live in a world that has sold us this. This is a tangent. This would be honestly a whole nother episode. (laughs) Um, But, you know, we live in this world that has sold us what is this ideal beauty, you know, what you're supposed to look like and what you're supposed to look like in 2022 because it's different than what you were supposed to look like in 1952, right? Right. Um, Or even 2020. Okay. But, you know, we're sold this concept of the ideal beauty from this creation from our culture who tells us you need to look a certain way. When it's redu- it's nonsense. Yes. You know, we should not be getting our cues about our bodies from the created thing, but from the creator. Amen, sister. We need to look to the creator who made us and say, look at what you did. You know, Ephesians 2.10 says he, he made us a masterpiece. A masterpiece, yes. Right? Yes. He 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 put us together and formed us with care and intention. And so, you know, we always feel like we're under some home improvement project with our bodies. And instead, God says, no, what? Quit listening to the world. This is nonsense. Yes. This is nonsense. These eating regimens, these how you have to look this certain way, you know, and plastic surgery and all these things. Stop. Listen to me. Right. And so, you know, that if you if you need help with truth about body image, um, I will upload to and I'll I'll add a PDF to our show notes here with all kinds of verses that could help you And I'll make sure to add the verses that we're going to talk about today when it comes to dieting. But, you know, I felt especially compelled to share this because, you know, for me, I mentioned earlier, January always for me means a diet. And last year, the word the Lord gave me in 2021 was freedom. And it was a a hard word for me because, um, I knew something in the pandemic brought up old, disordered eating habits I had had as a high school junior and senior, and they reared their ugly head in the pandemic where I kind of thought I was doing okay, but then all of these weird like, food control issues started to come back up, and I, I just knew I did not want to live like that again, and I heard him calling me to this word freedom, and my goodness, I'm so thankful for the way he has set me free this last year. And then as we headed into this year, I heard him give me the word new and, you know, I started praying about like, what does that mean? And, but I knew he was calling me to a new way. And my counselor talked to me about, she had mentioned it really stuck out to me about the scripture where um, Jesus talks about not pouring old wine into new wine skins, right? Because if you pour old wine into new wine skins, they're going to burst, right? And so we want to pour new wine in. And so thinking about that, where was I trying to, I'm a new creation now, where was I trying to take these old ways and put them into my life? And Jesus says, no, I'm doing a new thing in you. And um, so I heard him calling me to release dieting to him as part of this new thing. And that scared me because, I mean, Rebecca, you know, I've been on keto for the last three years. I was surprised we hadn't talked about keto yet (laughs) because I feel like you introduced me to keto, cream cheese, cream cheese and keto. Well, and there's part of that, you know. Gosh, man, this is such a this is such an interesting thing for me because I know, you know, like you have foods that make your body feel good or f- not feel as good, right? For sure, yes. And when I turned thirty, I started to learn that my body does not respond well to most um, flour products, and then things that are flour and sugar. My I have bad intestinal distress, I get headaches, just makes me feel really bad. So, you know, then when keto came along, it was like, oh, well, this is, you know, maybe a good fit for me. But as with all of those things, you know, they can go to an extreme, you know, before keto, I did paleo and before that I did hold 30. And before that I was doing grilled chicken and vegetables and P90X, you know, the <gasps> workout. X. I, I love p 90 totally that. Yeah. But you know what? I think that's something that, um, just as I've been getting older, your body does change. yeah. And the things that you used to be able to eat, you don't feel good after you eat them. yeah. And so it really is foolishness for me to keep putting those things in my body that I know I'm going to feel bad an hour later, yes. but it takes such restraint and self-control <laughs> yeah. to decide that I would rather feel good for the evening than feel bloated and upset stomach. That's right. And I think that's an okay way to To look at the food, that's a healthy perspective, is to say, I want my body to feel good and strong. I want to be able to use it for God's glory, so I'm going to make some choices in the things that I eat, but it's not about punishing yourself or restricting or, you know, being able to fit into a certain or look a certain way, right? Right. What you just said is a very healthy perspective, Um, and that's typically not how I have come to it. (laughs) No, and that's not the way that our culture introduces us to it. And so I think for us as believers, that's a very opposite view of how to look at food. Yeah. And we're just not teaching it. We're just not teaching it to our kids that way. And we need to make sure that they're hearing us say, this is not about what size you are. This is about what fuels your body. That's right. And I think, you know, just as a side note, that's a great way to talk about food with our kids, that food is fuel. And so we want to give our body good fuel, you know, um, because if I go to the gas station and I only get junk fuel and I put that in our car, the car is going to not work as well. It's going to break down. Um, if some, if we just have some of that stuff sometimes, then it's not that big of a deal, right? But we just want to fuel our bodies well so that they operate well. That's great. No, I love that perspective. So. Anyway, I heard him say, you know, leading into January 1st, which is, which then, I mean, Rebecca, just to be perfectly honest with you, that's part of the cycle of during the holidays, Jeremy and I just eat whatever we want because we know that come January 1st, we're going to just go on some crazy thing. Well, for some reason we feel like January 1st is magic. Right. Like we wake up January 1st and we're like, it's different. Everything's different. Yeah. You cannot change your entire lifestyle overnight. No. On January 1st. Yeah. So then when I hear him tell me on like December 30th. I don't want you to diet anymore this year. I'm like, oh, no. How am I going to? I have not made good choices for the past (laughs) two weeks of Christmas How am I going to lose this holiday? weight? all those same old thought patterns start coming in because I've been planning for this, right? You know? And so then I had to go to him and say, honestly, God, I am scared to death. I don't know how to eat without some kind of a diet plan. Like, what do I eat? I think what you said just there is so revolutionary You had to go to God and ask. Mm. And I think so many times when God tells us something, we fall back into what I know. Mm. Okay, that's what you want me to do, God? Okay, well, here's what I know I should do. But instead, you have to go to God because maybe he has a different way of you doing it this time. And that's what's so beautiful about your journey right now. You're having to ask him every step of the way. Yes. Every step of the way. So I I brought this to my counselor and I told her, you know, and I said, you know, I've used my fitness pal in the past just to track calories. I said, honestly, because Brenda, I am so out of sync with my body. I don't know what is too much and what isn't enough because my tendency will be to not eat enough. And then once I do that for a couple of days and I'm starving and then I end up eating too much, it's right. So I get into this bad cycle. Yes. And so I said, do you think it's okay if for a couple of months, just as some kind of some guardrails for me, I... Put my calories in just to kind of have an idea of where I am. And she goes, you know what? I think that'll be okay, but let's just do it for January and February. And then in March, you are jumping (gasps) headlong. Hey, it's March. So here we are. Oh my goodness. And so I am just headlong out here swimming in the deep and just asking the Lord just to guide everything I put in my mouth, you know, um, so I'm kind of thankful for the training wheels of these last two months, but it's been a total switch around in my mind of this food is not off limits. This food is not off. All of these are available to you. Yes. You know? Yes. Um, so anyway, so now the app is deleted and we're heading off into a new way. And I loved my, my counselor, Brenda explained it this way. She said, she, she was talking about where I am now with my, with my eating. And she said, you know, think about if you wanted to take a trip to London and You knew that you could drive your car all the way to, like, the northeast corner of the United States, right? So she said you can get that far on your own. You can get in your car. You can drive the car. And you can make it all the way maybe up to Maine, okay? But if you're going to be able to get from there to London, you are going to have to change vehicles. And you are no longer going to be the captain of the vehicle that you're in. Oh, that's so good. Keep going. Keep going. So it's going to require you either getting on a boat that has a a captain of that ship or you getting on a plane that has a, a captain of the plane, right? The pilot. But that means that you are switching vehicles and you are switching who is in charge. I love that. And so she said, you know, what has gotten you to this point will not get you to the next point where you want to go. And so now there's a new level of submission, surrender, trust obedience that has to be a part of the next leg of your journey. That, I mean, that picture is such a good illustration that I think anybody listening can get behind. Like mm-hmm. I can visualize that in my mind and it makes perfect sense that God has given me and equipped me with some tools that can get me pretty far. Yeah. But if he wants to take me somewhere new, I'm not going to know the way and I've got to go to him and ask him. He's got to be the captain. Yeah. Um. So it's this... It's this complete surrender. It's a surrender to the spirit of control over my life, over my choices, that he gets to tell me that I'm not in charge anymore, which is scary and also thrilling in every way. You know, yes. So this last year, um, I read the Bible in a year with Tara Lee Cobble, which I highly recommend doing the Bible recap. And this year I felt like God was saying, you know, you went wide, now let's go deep. And this calling to just camp out in a book of the Bible until I felt a sense of relief from it. And he sent me to Colossians, and I'm still here in Colossians two months in, and I think he's asking me to memorize the book. So I've been working (laughs) on chapter one. I know, you know, but these are all spirit-driven, spirit-led things, Um, not something Kate could accomplish or would even want to by my own (laughs) By my own volition. So um, so sitting in Colossians, and, you know, I wondered why he had called me to this book. And I started out by reading the whole book several times a week. I mean, it's only four chapters, so it just takes a little bit, you know, to read it. Why didn't he pick Leviticus? Right? <laughs> Thank you. Just kidding. Thank you, kindness of God. <laughs> <laughs> um, and so, so I would read it all, and then I would just kind of camp out for a couple days wherever I saw something new. And so... You can imagine how the tears fell from my eyes when I came across what I'm about to read to you in Colossians 2. And I saw why, of many things, God had called me to this book right on the heels of him asking me to stop dieting. Because I want you to hear what it says. This is Colossians 2, 6-8, and then I'm going to jump to 16-23. through 23. And Paul is talking to these believers at Colossae, and he says, Therefore, as you received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in him, rooted and built up in him, and established in the faith, just as you were taught, abounding in thanksgiving. See to it that no one takes you captive by philosophy and empty deceit, according to human tradition, according to the elemental spirits of the world, and not according to Christ. Therefore, let no one pass judgment on you in questions of food and drink, or with regard to a festival or a new moon or a Sabbath. These are a shadow of the things to come, but the substance belongs to Christ. Let no one disqualify you, insisting on asceticism and worship of angels, going on in detail about visions, puffed up without reason by his sensuous mind, and not holding fast to the head from which the whole body, nourished and knit together through its joints and ligaments, grows with the growth that was from God. And then it says this, If with Christ you died to the elemental spirits of the world, why, as if you were still alive in the world, do you submit to its regulations? Do not handle, do not taste, do not touch, referring to things that all perish as they are used, according to human precepts and teachings. These have in, indeed an appearance of wisdom in promoting self-made religion and asceticism and severity to the body, but they are of no value in stopping the indulgence of the flesh. I, when I read this and I think about our American diet culture, I hear Paul speaking these words to us because I think we have believed in Christ Jesus as Lord, and then we have still said, okay, yes, that, and I'm also going to follow all these regulations of my culture, of my world, who say, I need to look this way, I need to eat these things, right? Yes, yes. And Paul is saying, no. That has all been dismantled. What he actually does in Colossians 1 and up to this point um, in Colossians 2, he's been giving us gospel imperatives, which are reminding us, I mean, excuse me, he's been giving us gospel indicatives, which tell us who we are in Christ. He's gone through to talk about how we received Christ Jesus the Lord, how he has set us apart, how he has um, trampled over the rulers who had claims against us, how he's our authority, right? Yes, He's given us all these truths about who we are now in Christ. And so now he switches to these gospel imperatives, which are things that, okay, because these things are true about you, now this is how you live, right? And so he's saying, listen, you are free. Christ made you free. He is your authority, not this world. So quit listening to what this world has to say. Well, and one of the things you read as you are reading from those verses is that it said the substance is in Christ. Yeah. Like substance is like what something's made up of. Yeah. And I think that that's a reminder to me that I am made up of Christ. I am not made up of the world. And so if I'm trying to put these worldly traditions on top of what Christ has already said, they don't fit together. It's like a puzzle that doesn't go. I need to be made up of Christ. And another word that you said that I thought was so good was nourishment. Mm. I just even thinking about just daily practices in my life, am I doing them to nourish my body or am I doing them because I just feel like it? Yeah. And that's more than just food. That's social media consumption. That's TV. That's news right now in the news. What am I nourishing my body with? And that's such a better way to look at it than like what you're saying about these rules, these regulations, do not taste, do not touch. Yeah. Like that's what the world says. Yeah. And, you know, I I think it's just good for us to examine, you know, what are all the ways in which we have just kind of bowed down to the culture where the culture says you need to live in this kind of house. You need to drive this kind of car. Your kids need to go to these, you know, and we have just said, okay, sure. Right. And Paul is saying, no, that's crazy town. Nonsense. Nonsense! Jesus is your authority. You need to get your marching orders from Him, and so follow His word and let Him tell you what to do. I think it's amazing that that's the book that God has you in, because it is speaking directly to your. Su- well, am I? Am I surprised? That's I God. That's what He gets. That's, that's what, what he, he does. does. And, you know, so I, I started investigating that more to think about what else, you know, does the Bible have to say about food? And there's so many things, but I think in particular, the next scripture I wanted to read is we are living in an age where the way we talk about food is it being clean. Are you eating clean, you know, or. I'm eating clean this week or this is my cheat day or right we use this kind of language and when we do that then we're making certain foods clean and then therefore other foods unclean right right, right. first Timothy 4 1 through 5 speaks directly to this and I think this is amazing it says now the spirit expressly says that in later times some will depart from the faith by devoting themselves to deceitful spirits and teaching of demons through the insincerity of liars whose consciences are seared who forbid marriage and require abstinence from food that God created to be received with thanksgiving by those who believe and know the truth for everything created by god is good and nothing is to be rejected if it is received with thanksgiving for it is made holy by the word of god and prayer thanksgiving everything is to be received with thanksgiving that's right you know whatever we eat or drink or we whatever we do we do it for the glory of god you know he made these things and it is not My job to look at things as what is clean and unclean, they're all to be received with Thanksgiving. There is no food that is off limits to me. Well, and that's a great word for us as mamas when we compare what I eat with what you eat. Mm. And we just assume that if it's clean, then we all can eat it. And if it's not clean, we can't. But God made our bodies different. Yeah. So just like maybe gluten affects you a different way than it affects me, it doesn't make one right or one wrong. Yeah. It means I'm listening to my body and the way God created my body. Yeah, I love that. So, you know, I don't know where each of our mamas are that are listening to this. I think um, just as women living in the country that we do, or, you know, frankly, we have women that listen to us all over the world, which is thrilling. Shout out, podcast going global. Um, but I would imagine just because of social media and our culture and the way that we are influenced that this is not an American problem. This is a global problem. And it's been a problem that we've dealt with, you know, for centuries. So I don't know where you are with it. And you may not be in the place where I am in my journey. You may not feel comfortable to say, hey, I, I'm going to just throw the floodgates open here and I can eat anything, you know. Um, there There may be boundaries for you, uh, that you set up by God's spirit just to keep you safe. Um, and that will definitely be true for me. You know, there are things I have a counselor. I, when I start craving something, there are choices that I make to go for a walk, to drink a glass of water that are good choices for me. So, you know, if you have a history of a complicated relationship with food, I hope that you will hear all of this and, Understand that I'm not trying to say that where God has me with this is necessarily where you are supposed to be. My hope is that you would hear this and realize that God made your body, He made the food that we are to eat. And if we will ask Him, He will show us what to do and how to care for it. And with that in mind, He led me to write a prayer um, that I read several times a week, just as I kind of get stuck in what I'm supposed to eat and taking care of my body, you know, especially as I've kind of been walking off with just like, I feel like a, you know, like a newborn colt or something, trying to get their legs out under them, you know? Um, So I want to share this, this prayer with you that I pray, and I'll put this in the show notes. Every sentence in this prayer comes from scriptures that God has spoken to me over the years about my body. So this is all, these are all verses from the Bible, but this is what I say. I am a child of God. Wondrously formed by my creator who knit me together with care and intentionality. He formed this body to display his glory. I am a walking around temple of the Holy Spirit that God wants to use to show himself to the world. Because he created this body, he knows how to care for it and what it needs. I can ask him and he will tell me what to do. So thank you guys. Thanks moms for being a safe place for me to share. Uh, where I am with this, and to be able to be vulnerable with all of you. I know God is calling me into something deeper and better, and I believe he wants that for you too. I believe he wants us to live free, and he wants our children to live free. And so I pray that today, this topic that can be so fraught with emotions and strongholds and entanglements and history— maybe it would be a breath of fresh air to you today as we could kind of release some of this stuff to the Lord and ask God to be the God even over our food. We love you, moms, and we're so excited that you are with us today. We want to remind you that we are doing Lent over on our Patreon. It honestly is a great opportunity for you to get in God's word and hear him speak over you the things that he deemed most important in the last week of his life, the things that he did and said, and we'd love for you to join us there. Yeah, you can find that on the Patreon app. You can search Gather Moms or you can go to patreon.com slash gather moms. All right, moms, thanks for joining us. We'll see you next time.